Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. My name is Mark Harris. I am the Enterprise Doctor. I do advice and support for small businesses. And my guest today is Andy Steer of Vividly Simple. Good to see you, Andy. Hi, Mark. Good to see you. And we can say that because we're doing a nice Zoom call so we can see each other. For the listeners, hopefully it's good to hear you. Vividly Simple is a really interesting company name, which I like. Interesting is not a bad thing. Some businesses have names that just tell you what they do on the tin. Smith and Jones accountants, you know, Vividly Simple says nothing. So for the benefit of listeners who don't know you, can you tell us a bit about what the business is and where are you at at the moment with this virus thing and lockdown and all that good stuff? And for the benefit of listeners, the moment for us right now is the 1st of June. What do Vividly Simple do? Who are your customers? What do you do for them? And, and how's the virus affected you? So we, we toyed long and hard, actually, with the name. And the reason that we chose not to make it descriptive is we operate in an industry that usually people shut off to as soon as they okay. hear what it is. <laughs> so we, we help small businesses um, across the UK to select just the right amount of, of IT to be of benefit to their business and let them get on with focusing on running their business. So we provide IT services typically to organizations of five to 25 people with a focus on making sure that their, their staff can do their jobs efficiently, making sure that they're able to comply with GDPR, which was uh, last year's story of the moment. Absolutely. And at the same time, giving business owners a feeling of control that they know what's going on. That gets a, a point in most small businesses' growth path where the owners will suddenly feel slightly uncomfortable that they, they don't have visibility of exactly who's doing what. They're not sure whether a task has been done. They're not sure whether the installation in Exeter actually happened on Thursday. And that's the point usually at which they come to us and say, can we sit down and, and just work through how we can pull our, our technology together to help us as a business rather than hinder us as a business. Okay. So the, the kinds of language you're using makes me think that you're not really working with solopreneurs or tiny businesses. It's, it's the ones that are either just starting on the growth journey. They might be going sort of to five employees, eight employees, and of course, bigger, they might be going from 100 employees to 200 employees. Yes, that's fair to say. We, we do work with solopreneurs and one man or one woman bands. We all use IT. We all need IT. And when it goes wrong, we all know that it's gone wrong because we pretty much grind to a halt these days. Yes. So we will, you know, quite happily work with one person organizations or smaller businesses. What tends to be the case is their, their needs are more straightforward. We give some sort of practical, straightforward advice of how to use IT safely and efficiently as a small business. But those... Okay problems amplify as you start to get larger teams and you start to have groups of people needing to work together to get the job done. Yeah. And that's where the technology solutions become slightly more key to the business operation. And as a business, 
they they warrant slightly more investment. So that's yes. generally the, the tipping point for us. Okay, and and we will undoubtedly come back to some of those points a little later in the show. You're now, judging from your background, working from home, as are many people. Before the lockdown, did you have an office? Is, is it sort of a, a team of you together or were you remote workers anyway? And, and what's the sort of, what's the lockdown done partly to your business, but also to your working practices? So I would class myself as one of the lucky few for, for a number of reasons. I've been remote working on and off for probably 30 years. Oh, wow. Um, you know, my background in corporate, I've always been in sales and marketing. I've always traveled quite a lot. So for me, the sort of daily commute is, is something that I left behind probably not 30 years ago, but certainly 20 years ago. Okay. And my week is, is a mix of working from various places. So as, a, as an organization, there's myself and my business partner who run the, the business side of things. And we have a team of six technicians. Prior to lockdown, myself and my business partner were sort of fairly mobile, either working from an office or a coffee shop or customer premises, wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. Our technical team were actually office-based. So the biggest change for us was to get all the technicians working successfully from home overnight, really, on the 23rd of March, I think it was. But for us, our, our technology was in place to allow us to do that. So it really was just a case of take the laptops home, we'll adjust the telephone system slightly, and you'll all be working from somewhere suitable in your households from tomorrow morning. Yeah, and many a business went through that little process. Okay, has the lockdown been something which has actually generated more business for you because more people are working from home, more people are asking questions of their IT setup and perhaps coming to you for advice? Or has it had the opposite effect that people are withdrawing, hunkering down, and you've experienced a a reduction in, in business? We've been through the entire cycle, actually. <laughs> okay. So there, there was um, immediately after the lockdown announcement, you know, within two to three days, we'd lost about 35% of our recurring subscription revenue. Wow. And we immediately found it very difficult to engage with customers on, on ongoing project work because typically that involves some sort of um, visit to a customer site or, or at least some hands-on work. So the initial yes. impact was, was quite severe, although I, I do recognize we're much more fortunate than many out there. Yes, you had a 35% reduction. I do know people who had a 100% reduction. So yeah, not as bad mm. as it might have been. So that, that was um, originally, I think, people whose businesses were, were just devastated and they had to reduce outgoings as quickly as possible. We then went through the stage, I think, that a lot of people are, have been through or, or are still going through, which was to think, what does this mean in terms of our, our customers and what they need from us? Mm-hmm. And whereas before we were quite focused on delivering ICT support and projects to, to upgrade people's existing IT, it suddenly became obvious that there are new challenges when you're moving to a remote or a, a flexible or a home working model. 
Yes. So we, we shifted our focus as a business to say, okay, what do we need to do to make sure that those are the, the new needs that we're servicing? So that takes some time. Obviously, any, any business that needs to rethink and reshape what it's going to deliver and how it's going to make sure people know what it's going to deliver needs, needs to put some time aside to make that happen. Yeah. And now we're at the stage where we're actually starting to operate in that new mode. So you mentioned earlier, it's the 1st of June. Lots of businesses are starting back today in sort of tentative steps towards the new normal, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing people now where we've had the conversations already, it will be a good idea when, and when is starting to happen. And we're starting to now initiate some of the projects to help people adapt their IT to, to support what is likely to be a, a remote working model that, that lives with us for, for some time to come, I yeah. think. And I, and I think you're right. I think it will live with us for some time to come. And I think partly because the lockdown has only eased, it's not withdrawn, and there is always the risk of a second wave and we could get re-locked down. But also, I think that in terms of working practices, there's a lot of businesses out there, particularly big ones, who were very resistant to remote working. The decision has been taken away from them. They work remotely or they don't work. And they now realized, oh, actually, it's not so bad. And things still happen and objectives get hit. And if we stopped renting one of our three central London office blocks, how much a year would that save us in rent and maintenance? So I think that, that you're right. There will be a lot more remote working than before, and I, I'm really comfortable that will be ongoing. So for me, I think the key question is people need to set up their home office. And we had back in episode 13, Robin Landsman joined us. He's an osteopath, and he talked about how to set up your home office. but he talked about it from the perspective of what kind of chair and the height your screen should be at, that kind of how to set up an office. For you, I guess the same question of how do I set up my office has a completely different answer. What are you going to do? Yeah, he talks about chairs and footrests and things. What are you going to talk about? How should I set up my office from an IT perspective? Well, the, the first thing to say is there's definitely a link between the two because having your laptop at the right height is also a very good idea when you're participating in Zoom calls. Yes. Because the last thing you want to happen is for the whole of the, the world to see straight up your nose when really mm-hmm. your best feature is your eyebrows, for example. So having your laptop at the right height is both ergonomic and a really good idea for, for video calls. Yeah, from a marketing perspective. Yeah. So for us, what are the, what are the key considerations? Clearly, you have to have some kind of device. A lot of the world work from laptops these days, but the laptops that we have at home are not necessarily quite up to the standard of the laptops we might have at work. And the way that we look at the security of those devices is not necessarily as stringent when we're at home as it might be if we've got our work hats on. So the the first thing we say to people is you need to look at how you're devices set up at home. There are some simple things that the the government advises as as basic security measures, things like switching on password protection, um, things like switching on disk encryption, 
which is one of the elements that's usually available on business machines, perhaps not available on a, a home machine. Um, available or, or not a default setting? Well, not available out of the box. Okay. Windows machines are getting much better at it. Lots more home devices are coming with disk encryption. Mm-hmm. And Apple Macs are, are actually very good at it. It's usually there and you just need to switch it on. But it's, um, it's a way to protect your data from malicious attack coming from the outside world rather than someone entering information on your screen and finding data. It's sort of coming through the back. And with disk encryption, even if they get in, all they're going to find is something that they, they can't read and can't understand. Okay. So it's a, a good idea to do. And then it's simple things like making sure that software and operating systems are, are up to date because generally these patches and updates are security related. It's not about adding new features and bells and whistles. It's about patching vulnerabilities. Mm. And the last thing is to run a, an antivirus. So that's what we look at from a, a device perspective. Okay. We've then obviously got the, the internet question. Working from home, there's probably not very much you can do to change your internet connection short term. No. Other than perhaps restrict the access that other people in your home might have to the internet at certain times of day, for example. So I'm in a house, basically now we're, we're in lockdown with six adults and a 16-year-old. Oh, my word. Okay. So demands on the internet, as you can imagine, are, are quite high. And we do have to impose some sort of control when I'm working so that, you know, I, I have enough bandwidth left for me to do what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty key. And then the the big challenge for most people is actually, you know, how do I I access the information that I need to access to do my work? Because that's often in a file in the office or in a computer or on a server in the office. And it becomes very difficult, particularly, as I mentioned earlier, when you need more than one person to be working on that file. You can't afford to have it somewhere that, is inaccessible for everybody else. Okay, so if I ask you a question, which is how do you do that, I'm going to save you bothering to tell me that that's a really hard question because the answer is it depends. It depends on my setup at home, the setup in the office, whatever. But I guess that that's a lot of the work that you do is if you get a serious inquiry from a a potential client, how do I do that? You can then talk to them about what security they have in place physically, where these things are, all sorts of whatever the questions are you need to ask so that you can then say, well, I think the best solution for you is a virtual private network or the best solution for you is whatever else it may be. There's only one IT expert on this call and I've just run out of ideas. So guess who that is? So is, is that really, is it about drilling down for the specific needs so you can come up with a really tailored solution? It is. There, there are some principles that apply that I'm happy to share. Most of them revolve around the cloud in some shape or form. The cloud, if you like, is, is just about putting a server on the internet somewhere. And it's really coming into its own in this environment where lots of different people need to access that same piece of information. So moving data into the cloud and keeping data in as few places as possible is really the starting point for any business looking to adapt to allow flexible or remote working 
on an ongoing basis. Any other solution is is a a workaround that's not going to serve you well in the long term, or is for slightly larger organisations who may well still have their own servers on premises and connect people with a VPN to those servers. But for the majority of smaller businesses in the in a one to 25, 30, 40 user category, it's almost certainly going to be put your data in the cloud and bring it all together somewhere where you can manage it. That's the second element is by putting it in the cloud, you then have a bit more of a challenge on your hands to make sure you know where the data is, who has access to it, and if needs be, you can do some sort of auditing or control to prove that you're taking appropriate care of that data. Okay. A lot of businesses that help other businesses find, yeah, each customer is unique and special, but there tends to be a pattern of the same kinds of things being asked over and over again. I know I certainly experienced that as Enterprise Doctor. Each client is unique and special, but there's a pattern to the kind of things. So in your business is there that pattern is there a sort of a a top three things that you pretty much know when the phone rings it's going to be one of those three things yeah definitely there's a a conversation that we have with with each customer that focuses on three areas and a a fourth area as an adjunct if you like okay Um, when we're looking at the idea of remote working there are some some principles we need to focus on we like to sort of mimic, if you like, as closely as we can, an office environment, a traditional office environment in a home working scenario. Because it's amazing when you listen to those conversations in an office, just how many of them relate to getting the job done day to day. We get so used to talking across the desk, have you found the file with (laughs) Rose's last invoice in it or did the job, as I mentioned earlier, get done in Exeter last week? Mm -hmm. So we need to create an environment that allows teams of people to continue working together. So that's always our first focus. How, how do your team operate and how can we mimic that in a, a more remote working environment? Okay. The second I touched on slightly earlier is how can you make sure that you comply with your GDPR and data protection obligations mm-hmm. when we're you know, in this dispersed environment and it's much more difficult to, to see or touch the devices and the data Indeed. And then the, the third one is how, as a business owner or a manager, are you going to maintain control over running your business? How are we going to make sure that you stay comfortable with an understanding of, of what's getting done day to day without necessarily being able to wander around the office or see your team or, or chat so easily? So those are the three focal areas. And then the fourth usually leads on to how are we going to actually improve your business in this remote working model? Because the conversations we have naturally give us a better feeling for how people's businesses work. And we're able to spot alternatives or additional uses of of the technology to reduce those repetitive manual tasks or, you know, just, just somehow make life and business a bit more efficient. So those, yep. those are the four categories for us. Yep. And, and, and I get that. Speaking as a solopreneur, I can see how even for me, some of those 
aspects of your work would be of relevance. I have in the past worked for some large and some very large businesses, and I can absolutely see how they would benefit from that kind of conversation. I think now is a good point for me to say that if there are listeners out there who are thinking, I need to talk to Andy, if you're thinking that, then you probably do. And what's more, you probably should. And somewhat unsurprisingly, I can tell you that you will find all of Andy's contact details in the podcast notes. And he would love to hear from you. I know Andy of old. I know he loves to talk to businesses about their businesses, about their challenges, and in particular about their IT challenges. So if you like, you can make him happy by getting in touch with him. And if you like, you can make me happy by getting in touch with me as well. My contact details are in the podcast notes as well. And I'm always happy to hear from people about any aspect of my portfolio career. And you'll find details of that in my LinkedIn profile. And there's a link straight to that in the podcast notes. Andy, as I expected when I invited you on the show, I feel more educated than I did before the show. And that is the point. Thank you so much for coming, for speaking so well, for for being so informative. I hope you found it interesting. Yeah, as always, Mark, it's a pleasure to chat with you and I'm really happy to help anybody that we can. Good. There's an offer. You can turn down that offer if you want to, but if I was you, I'd get in touch with Andy and have a bit of a chat. My name is Mark Harris. I am Enterprise Doctor, and I have brought to you today's episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. There will be another one along in a couple of days' time, and there's a oh, 20 plus on the podcast series that you can go back and listen to, including episode 13, which is Robin Landsman, the osteopath, talking about the other aspect of how to set up your remote working office. But for now, this is Mark Harris signing off. 